0: Tally-hawk! Kings of silver, birds of steel.
1: Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 119, The Kessel Run. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, for this Kessel Run, my co-host joined me for this one. Uh, it's awesome to have you on board for this, Robert.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to be on. this is uh, uh, I'm really excited about the book we're, we're going to be talking about. So I hope uh, to be able to join you for the ones, especially when we're talking about this yeah. series.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Um the book that we're going to be covering today, uh, and for those of you who are not familiar with The Kessel Run, didn't catch the last time we did this, uh, or I did this, it's, The Kessel Run is basically a, a short episode where we cover one issue of some past comic. So it's not the contemporary stuff that's coming out. It could be something from the 80s or the 90s or something like that, but it's it's covering a past comic. But it's also, and it's whatever floats my boat at that time <laughs> that I'm doing that episode. Right. Um, But it's always following them in order. So in the past, uh, Chuck and I covered G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, issues 1 through 10. And uh, if you want to hear the last five issues, I believe it was in episode 74. So it's been some time since we've talked about old G.I. Joe comics. So I thought it was about time we circled back to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So the issue we're going to cover today is actually G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, number 11. I wanted to give a shout-out before we get into the issue. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Mike Myers, who is actually the inspiration for the, doing this type of episode. He started doing episodes called DC Noise Bites, where he takes DC current-day DC Comics and picks one issue and covers it, and he does like a 15- to 30-minute episode. Uh, so I actually reached out to him and said, Hey, would you mind if I stole that idea? And did, and did something for Star Joe's, but I was going to do more of a retro type thing. And he says, no, that's awesome. I'm all for that. So, uh, so I want to thank Mike for, for letting me steal his idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Robert and I are going to do our best to keep this within the 15 to 30 minute time.
2: Period. I know we're not known for our brevity, but we have uh, great motivation. It's near one in the morning for Ryan, and he has to work tomorrow. Right. Um, I am super hopped up on Mountain Dew, so I'm like ready to go. Let's do it. Woo! And uh, we're, so we'll make it. We'll make it nice and quick. We'll definitely cover the issue, and and I'll try to refrain from too much commentary. But uh, it's no. a really good. It's a really good issue.
1: I'm going to keep the summaries kind of brief, so feel free to jump in with your commentary. <laughs> okay. So I want to hear what your thoughts are on the issue because the idea behind doing these issues is more so to get our input on it than it is just to talk about what happened in the story. So yeah. um, so first off, I did want to say it, uh, it has a cover date of May of 1983 uh, and the writer was Larry Hama. Uh, penciler was Mike Vosper. Inker was John the De- DeGastino, uh, letterer was Rick Parker, colorist was Christy Shiel. uh editor was Denny O'Neill, and editor in chief was Jim Shooter. Mm-hmm. And the story is called "The Pipeline Ploy." Uh, and right off, I wanted to talk about the cover a little bit, which is freaking awesome. Yeah, uh, you have uh, Snow Job uh, riding in uh, uh, the—is that the Battle Bear?
2: Yeah, uh, it's Battle like the you know, like the.
1: The ski patrol. Yeah, a
2: snowmobile, whatever, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and he's got Doc behind him, and they're, like, zooming down, a, a like, a, almost a 60-degree angle slope. <laughs> um, and there's a Cobra trooper in a hang glider yeah. flying over them, shooting down at them. And it's just yeah. really cool dynamics, really awesome cover.
2: For me, yeah, this this really uh, just very reminiscent of kind of what set the stage for special missions, uh, even covers. You know what I mean? Just even just talking yeah. about the cover. Uh, just, like, all action, um, uh, kind of a spotlight in a select group of guys that were in the issue. Yep. Uh, but really dynamic and, and a really cool, cover, really cool cover to see.
1: Yep. And when this issue first came out, it was 60 cents. So <laughs> times have changed. Uh, yes. Uh, so we get into the story, and we have Wild Bill uh, flying in a, in a helicopter, and he's got Doc and Snow Job with him.
2: His colors were interesting too. Like, he's all in, in blue.
1: Yeah, he's almost like a, Wild like Bill. a Confederate soldier. Almost. Yeah, exactly.
2: So. I was like, what? I was a little confused every once in a while when, when either colors were off or, uh, yeah, obviously this is some of the first appearances of some of these characters. So oh, they're yeah. drawn maybe a little different than you'd expect, but.
1: Yeah, and this, uh, just to give me, so we might as well get it out of the way. The, this issue actually has the first appearance of Airborne, Doc, Gung Ho, Job, Wild Bill, and, uh, and another character that will kind of yeah we'll leave that we'll leave that uh, as a secret. But uh, I found it interesting that Snow Job, since this was his first appearance, they didn't treat it as if it was his first appearance. His no,
2: family. they they he was they act, everybody acted like he'd been around. Like yeah. some people, they made a very specific point, like who's the new guy? You know, right. like making right. a big deal about it. But Snow Job was like, hey. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah he's, he's you know, like, just like he he's like it 's right in the thick of it as usual for g i Joe and stuff like that, so um, I think they just
2: assume because his name is snow Job that he should be there
1: right <laughs> but
2: um it 's funny they do talk about his name later,
1: yeah, so they um, they 're flying in a helicopter and it 's to bring some reinforcements to uh, some Joe's that have been trapped by Cobra infantry and in some tanks, and the tanks actually go driving off once the helicopter shows up because they must. They figure they must think that the the helicopter has some anti tank weaponry.
2: Right. Whereas of course, while well, Bill's just bringing in a few report reinforcements, basically Doc and snow job, and uh, to pick up, um, you know, wounded and to drop off uh, you know, resupply of ammo and all that kind of stuff. Like apparently, so there's like this huge trench that's like cut across the landscape, and there's a oil pipeline that cuts across it, and on one side of the trench, there's just a whole line of Cobra troops like laying prone, just laying suppressing fire down on yep. um, the Joes. As you see the two Cobra tanks taken off, then you see like a, just a completely demolished Mobat that's just burning, yep. and a few other vehicles that are destroyed. Some his uh, tanks and everything. Yeah, his tanks so. around. So obviously it's like been a long-engaged battle, and I love that we just get tossed in right in the middle of it. It's so yeah. cool, man. It's like, it is. It's awesome. You don't, you don't need any setup. I, I love how Larry Hammond did this. Like You feel like you just get brought in with the helicopter mid-battle, so right. you feel like... You're coming onto the scene like Wild Bill, Snowjob, and Doc.
1: Yeah, they don't know you what know. happened, and you don't know what happened. So
2: Right, and it's kind of, he fills you in through, like, the the communications, you know, like right. uh, just back and forth chatter from Wild Bill up in the helicopter, and General Hawk, who's on the ground, just giving them a, a quick rundown, a briefing of what's going on. Yep. And he does it through Breaker, which is cool.
1: Yeah, and we find out that uh, Short Fuse, Grand Slam, and Steeler have been injured. Uh, and right. Doc patches them up, and they, they get them on some stretchers and get them onto the helicopter. And somehow, with this helicopter, they were able to fit uh, a battle bear. Uh, yeah, I
2: don't know. It didn't look like a cargo helicopter at all, but...
1: No, I think it used the magic of the dragonfly. <laughs> uh, yeah, There's all this extra space. Because, yeah, I read that, and I'm like, how? where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Rock and Roll's hoping that they brought some additional ammo as well. Um, so then we get Gung-Ho uh, is being ordered by Hawk and he's Hawk yells out for snake guys and rock and roll to pull back for resupply and to eat because you often yeah. want to eat during battle. Uh, well,
2: it, it, that gives you an idea too of how long they've been at it. I mean, yes. they make reference to it later that they've, it's been a on and off fight for a week. Yes. Uh, no, well not just a fight, but an investigation for yeah. the length of a week, but just that they've been fighting obviously for three to four hours that yeah. you would have to stop and eat something.
1: Yeah. And so uh, Hawk tells Gung Ho and Snow Job uh, and Doc to relieve them. Yeah, get on uh, the line. Them. Uh, rock and Roll doesn't really like the, the – he says he doesn't like this reinforcements because there's a four-eyed medic, a ski bum, and a marine. And he goes, Hawk, it's five below, uh, five below <laughs> zero, and that maniac Gyrene is running bare chested just so we won't miss his core tattoo.
2: <laughs> but of course, like that first panel – I look and I see, I was like, man, why doesn't Gung Ho have any sleeves on? They're in the Arctic. And then, like, two panels later, Rock and Roll is just totally calling him out on it. Like He's just like, what's he doing up here all bare-chested? I was like, that's awesome.
1: So then we have uh, Hawk Explains, uh, while they're all facing off against Cobra, what's been going on. He says, we've been out here for a week investigating reports of a Cobra activity around the pipeline. Uh, they got the jump on Cobra initially and took out a bunch of their tanks, uh, his tanks, except for two of them. Uh, and then they've been pinned down ever since. The his tanks had already left, as we had mentioned. So all that was left was the infantry troops, which they assumed were going to leave shortly after, once the his tanks were farther away. And sure enough, that's what happens.
2: Uh, the, the Cobra infantry pulls out to meet up with the hiss tanks up the pipeline. Yeah. Which, of course, is uh, across this ravine, and so they're not easy to get to. So it's not like the Joes can just rush after them and catch them or anything like that.
1: They don't know how they're going to follow because the Battle Bear can only hold two, maybe three people. Uh, but they realize that the Cobras uh, have left some of their hiss tanks behind that were damaged in battle. Right,
2: like and the turrets, turrets were destroyed.
1: Yeah, the turrets were destroyed, but the, the treads still worked, So yeah. they were able to take... One of those, and use it as transportation. So on the ride there, Rock and Roll, I believe, yeah, Rock and Roll is asking Snow Job, uh, "Hey, what do you know about this Gung Ho character? Is he from Flake City or what?" <laughs> and he says, "All I know about him is that he's a Cajun from down New Orleans way, and he has a sister who's a high fashion model."
2: And Rock and Roll's like, "Say what?" <laughs> and he goes, uh, and uh, Snow Job's like knock your eyes out and leave them spinning in tight little circles. I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what that means. It was just a panel of complete nonsense. But basically just saying like, and so rock and roll's like all intrigued now about yeah. uh, gung ho. And he's like, Hey, maybe you should introduce me to my sister. Yeah. And, uh, and it snow jobs is totally. And again, this is like our introduction to snow job. Yeah. But it, it, you get a sense that rock and roll knows him, right? Yeah. That, they, that, they've, that they've been
1: long time friends and palin
2: around or whatever. So, Rock and Roll's like, uh, yeah, oh, Gung Ho, he's a good guy. Yeah, he likes me and he offered to set me up with a date. But, uh, you know, she doesn't seem my type. So, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll right. see, I'll tell you what I can do. And then it cuts away. Cuts away. Yeah. And, uh, we
1: see that, uh, Doc is wanting to check Snake Eyes for Frostbite. Frostbite, yeah. Which, which I was like, we haven't even met Frostbite yet. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he checks his, his fingers and feet and they seem okay. He's about to check under the mask, but then Snake Eyes pulls his, uh, Gun right but, on. He pulls his Uzi on me, yeah. like
2: point blank, right up basically right up Doc's nose. I was like, whoa! Like, and,
1: and Snake, uh, eyes, says,
2: Snake Eyes could have just like put his hand up or whatever. He said, was like, no,
1: thank you. <laughs> Who
2: points a gun in his face, man.
1: And Hawks, yeah, says, General like,
2: Hawk, yeah, go ahead. Hawks,
1: like, uh, sorry, Doc, should have warned you. Nobody ever takes Snake Eyes mask off, ever. Um, yeah. Which, when I did some research on this issue, this was interesting. It says, in this issue, Doc tries to lift Snake Eyes mask unaware of why he's wearing it. Years later, he would be retconned as being present when Snake Eyes receives his injuries.
2: Oh, very interesting. So
1: I found that very interesting. Yeah, yeah that's
2: cool. So, so then, then we jump ahead or, or jump over to Cobra.
1: Predators. Yep, and they're underneath uh, Springfield. And <laughs> in
2: uh, many levels beneath the town of Springfield. That's yes. actually uh, my sub basement.
1: Right. I was, was going to say that's where Robert lives. <laughs> he informed the Baroness that uh, that. The Joes had actually stumbled onto the operation sooner than anticipated, and uh, she suggests maybe blowing up <laughs> the nuclear power plant. And he says instead of doing that, that would leave glowing like, remnants
2: for. Uh, <laughs> a long time. Or we could do something a little subtler.
1: Yeah, he's like, uh, I have a specialist, and he he's like,
2: subtler? What is this word you speak of? <laughs>
1: so he says, I have a specialist, and he says, Baroness may introduce, and she says, Oh, we've already met, Commander, and we see, we might it's as well like just say, a
2: gratuitous say it. butt shot. Yes, a, really gratuitous, it it's a gratuitous, a gratuitous
1: <laughs> butt shot of Destro. Right. Um, and we never, through this whole issue, see Destro.
2: And they never say his name, and they never show his face.
1: Right. There's times when they come close to it.
2: Yeah, and they make comment of it. Or right. You see his shadow, so you know he's bald. And this, this mask.
1: Yes, and this also alludes that Destro and Baroness have known each other previously.
2: Right, they have history.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, and I like the fact that they don't actually show him. Because as if, if you were a kid reading this for the first time and didn't know, you know, obviously when it first came out, you didn't know of a character named Destro. Right. So this would have been an awesome, like, who is this guy? Yeah,
2: and the way Cobra Commander uh, introduced me, he's a man with infinite finesse and clear tactical mind. Yeah. Uh, And he says, if I'm the counterpart of G.I. Joe's general flag then this man is the counterpart of Hawk. He shall be my surrogate commander in the field. So he's really, like, playing him up as, like, look, this is the man. It's awesome And and watch out for this guy.
1: Yeah. So then we have uh, four hours later in Alaska, uh, Snowjob is uh, scouting ahead, and he sees that there's a pumping station that has the hiss tanks at it, and Cobra Troopers are taking these canisters out, and they don't know what's in the canisters. Yeah.
2: yeah, like what could Cobra want with a pumping station and they're trying to figure out what's going on?
1: Yep. Gung ho suggests that they actually go in there <laughs> and and find out what's going on. And the thing that cracked me up the most about Gung Ho was man, they really played up the Cajun language with him.
2: Yeah, a lot at the at the
1: very beginning. heavy.
2: <laughs> sounded like Gambit, like yeah. the way he was written.
1: He's like, not so good. I think better to take out station first, capture tank, and then go after main body, no? No, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that Snake Eyes he agree with me. He nodding like hungry gator. He
2: agree with me. He nodding like hungry gator.
1: <laughs> Hawk actually agrees that they need to. That he's real curious about the canisters. And they need to get in there. So um, it basically
2: goes with the gung ho's plan as opposed to Rock and Roll's plan. Yep. And then the whole you know Rock and Roll's grumbling after this because of the...
1: Yeah.
2: But I liked it. I like that kind of like not oh, everybody really yeah. got along right away. You know what I mean? That you would have differences of. Uh, Character or you tactics know, if, and everything. If one if one character was from, from one particular arm, you know, arm of the armed forces and somebody else was like a US you know, a seal or a marine or you know yeah. whatever, uh, just that there'd be you know some of that antagonism between between that like right off the bat like he played that up. It was cool. Yeah,
1: it was very cool. Um, so then we see Destro. Uh, well we don't see Destro, but we see Destro's hand like Doctor Claw from <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Um, he Intimation. calls into to uh, Cobra Commander. Uh, and he's reporting in as he was ordered to. Uh, he says the tech crew has initiated the procedures at the pumping station, and uh, the GI Joe team. Uh, and Cobra Commander says the GI Joe team should have the station under observation by now. Mm-hmm. And Destro says he's already taken that into consideration. So
2: he's thinking ahead.
1: So we're back at the pumping station, and, and these Cobra agents who are wearing like some weird it's
2: like a
0: hazmat hazmat suit, suit. suit Cobra yeah. colors, yeah.
1: They're pouring stuff in into the pipeline, and rock and roll comes bursting in, and snow jobs blasting through the window, and basically the cobra grunt points out the fact that you guys are idiots.
2: <laughs> well, and there's like and there's dead soldiers everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just again shows how different the cartoon was from the yeah <laughs> from the comics that the they were able yeah. to get away with. So uh, you see, although not see, that
1: different in certain places. <laughs> uh, no, well that's true.
2: But you had uh, so you got cobra troopers dead. Laying on the ground, and yeah, oh, uh, or, or actually uh, Snake Eyes. Uh, what I like is the dialogue says, uh, you know, "Rock and Roll's got the door. I've got the window." And Snake Eyes should have had the guards in the back by now. And you just see two knocked out guards and Snake yeah. Eyes' feet running away. It was cool, awesome. Uh, they so, really paint Snake Eyes to be like a total bad a, which like, he should throughout be. throughout the whole issue, yeah. But but in a good way. It's not like overdone. Yeah. But you get you really get a sense of how capable he is, and everybody trusts that he will. Yeah. Get his job done. It's really cool.
1: There's one spot where it's a little over the top. (laughs) Okay. But but still cool. Still cool. (laughs) Um, So the Cobra Grunt points out that they broke open the canisters and that there's a plague toxin and that everyone's been exposed to and now they're going to die in six hours.
2: Yeah, and Doc's like, "Hey, I'll quick radio headquarters for an antidote," and then they come back and say, "No, it's a completely new strain; it won't do any good."
1: Yeah, and that there's a Cobra has a big shot specialist who left here, and he's got the only bottle of the antidote. So, um, so just as they're saying that, all of a sudden there's a big explosion, and here Mm. it's uh, mortar hitting that hit the his tank outside. Right there is a bunch of Cobra grunts out there that are starting to blast the building with RPGs. Yep. And they get the battle bear inside, so they can't blow that up.
2: Quick, push that inside.
1: Right. Um, Hawk radios back to, uh, to the base, but the base has its own situation because they have to get some of the injured people back and they only have one helicopter after that. So he radios to have the uh, wild bill take the other, uh, helicopter to the next pumping station so they can get ahead of it. And this is when uh, Airborne is first mentioned. so
2: this this was really interesting because a lot of the story is told over this communication, you know yeah. from from one group of guys to another group of guys or from this helicopter to that group. And there's just so much coordination going on in this issue, like oh yeah, I, f- I felt like we were in the middle of this firefight the whole time. And, and you're just kind of like on the sidelines, just listening to the radio chatter, you know it was really cool, I yeah, liked it's a lot of so much
1: I agree. it's a great way to tell tell the story, and like you said, you feel like you're in the thick of it, and yeah, um and you didn't need to know much other than Cobra is going after these pumping stations, and Joe's trying to stop them. I mean,
2: Joe's like one step behind trying to follow him and find out what's going on,
1: yeah um, so um so basically they decide that snow Job. Uh, Doc and Snake Eyes are going to head out towards the next pumping station using the Battle Bear, and they have to lay, lay some cover. The rest of the Joes have to lay some cover fire for them. Right.
2: Hawk gives uh, Snake Eyes kind of a, says, take out that RPG.
1: Yep. And so, Gung
2: Ho says, before they leave, he says, wait until that RPG she fire again. Then go while they reloading." no? <laughs> You're like what? Who is this guy?
1: So bad. Put a shirt on. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out why Chuck likes this character so much. <laughs> <laughs> the Cobra Grunts are about to launch another uh, RPG, uh, but Snowjob launches the Battle Bear off of a uh, like a snowdrift, and. This is the part they said where it's a little over the top where Snake Eyes <laughs> grabs like Yeah, he grabs the Snake Eyes grabs the RPG out of the guy's hand.
2: Whoop, he's like hanging off the snow the battle bear like with yeah. one arm and just reaches down just yoink, grabs it out of the arms, he goes, uh And then they old Snake Eyes didn't just neutralize that RPG, he confiscated it and then he goes, <laughs> I think it'll riding off into the distance.
1: And uh Hawk says that's why I sent Snake Eyes, he always makes it back. Yeah. So then we have uh, messages sent to to flag General Flag, and he says I can help out with reinforcements, but he says I it's a negative on the quarantine. He says we barely have enough personnel in the area to cover other key strategic sites. So they were asking for some quarantine and everything, and he just can't provide that, but he can provide reinforcements.
2: And, and I love it, like Cobra Commander and Baroness are just completely listening in. Yeah, the whole G.I. Joe conversation. He's like. He just, like, throws his head back. I love his body posture in this panel. He's just throwing his head back and laughing. He's like, ha, eavesdropping has become child's play, and he's like, Also, all of their communication, Cobra Commander is just completely listening in on. I'm like, man, Cobra is on top of it in this
1: issue. Yeah, because he has the G.I. Joe Crypto Scrambler.
2: Right. (laughs) The Crypto Scrambler.
1: And and then this reminded me of the cartoon also, how they were always able to patch into Joe's base to tell them a message or whatever. (laughs)
2: Yeah, just broadcast directly to their TV. Right.
0: It's been five years, and the Geekast Radio Network would like to give back to you. How, you may ask? Well, first of all, we're coming up with a brand new website to be launched June 1st, 2014. In addition to that, there'll be many new features for interactive abilities. So how do you enter into this magical celebration? Well, GeekCast Radio has a contest where you can win some awesome prizes Ranging from comics, Blu-rays, DVDs, trade paperbacks and comics, and more. How do you enter? Write in your favorite stories of how the GeekCast Radio Network has affected you in the last five years. And how it's unleashed the geek in you. You can also enter by writing reviews on our shows on iTunes. For more information, visit www.geekcastradio.com and click on the banner. So until next time, unleash the geek in you.
1: So back in Alaska, um, and the Joe's on the Battle Bear noticing they're heading towards a nuclear power plant and they don't like the looks of that. Um, they get there and notice that uh, the place has been broken into and they talk to one of the workers that was there. He says that they got away with, uh, I believe it was yeah, plutonium. So right. they they stole some plutonium and he's like, I'll be okay. Go ahead and and get after them. So they do, but. Just as they do, a bunch of uh, a couple uh, Cobra agents, uh, grunts in hang, hang gliders, gliders yeah. come swooping and start shooting down at them. So they got the – unfortunately, <laughs> they have the air coverage. and I
2: love uh, the sound effects in this panel because the hang gliders up top are going rat-a-tat-tat-tat, tat, you know, as they're uh, right. firing. And then there's this huge brap like right <laughs> behind the snake eyes as he's yeah. like leaning over. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Brap. I was like i don't what, know if he's firing back or if he's just like propelling their their battle bear forward i wasn't sure what was going well, on he
1: does I have know. a lot of wind coming out of his butt right
2: there. I know, there's like all these speed lines like when <laughs> they just go flying out
1: so wild bill uh calls out that he's got some support for him and uh airborne comes flying out and it it's this really cool image of the, i like uh, this panel yeah the uh uh joe hang glider unfolding and uh
2: so it drops out from underneath or behind. I, I don't know how it was attached. To the, that
1: It looks like there's a little hole in the helicopter that maybe he dropped out of there. I don't there know. There would
2: have been a huge helicopter then for that hole. but I Or yeah. maybe the hang glider. Maybe just <laughs> hanging underneath.
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and
2: it detached and he drops down. But as so you have a su- uh, a panel of successive actions. So it, there's just one person, it's it's airborne, as he drops from the helicopter, but you see the hang glider unfold, and then at the bottom of the panel, completely unfurled. It's this really cool vertical panel. Yeah. So the idea is that he's dropping down out of the helicopter, unfurls the hang glider, and then is uh, on in pursuit of the two Cobra agents.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, though, then they turn into pursuit of him, because it's two to one, and uh but he lines up the hang uh the cobra hang gliders because he knows that Snake Eyes has the RPG and he gets out of the way just in time for Snake Eyes to blow up the hang gliders.
2: Blow the crap out of these two guys. You can see like bits of them flying.
1: Yes. Again, um, the difference between the comics and the cartoon.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was no parachutes. These guys had an RPG ripped through their bodies.
1: Right. So then, airborne gets onto the battle bear, which now evidently battle bears can hold four. <laughs> which people. of
2: course, like they shoot these two guys out of the uh, air, the air, like the hang gliders. Yeah. And then, airborne's like double play, <laughs> like these two guys <laughs> just totally get decimated. He's like, all right, high fives. Like <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you said, that evidently battle bears can hold four people now because they yeah
2: they all just hop on because that wasn't all right. The whole point was they sent um. What was the snake eyes and snow job on the uh, right. or, or and uh, and doc you know?
1: Because they couldn't like, fit well, on it.
2: <laughs> because that's what how many could fit on a right. battle bear. Well, then airborne comes down and he just hops on snake eyes back or something. Like I'm yep. not sure what's going on.
1: So then back at the back at the pumping station one, the joes noticed that some copters have arrived. Unfortunately, with the the copter is about to get shot down by the cobra grunts. But Gung-Ho, of course, is not going to let that happen. And he goes charging right at them.
2: This was a pretty awesome moment.
1: Yeah. And instead of shooting them, he takes his rifle and just, like, clocks them.
2: He just holds it by the barrel and then just clubs them. And the cool thing is, so as he runs out the the window of jagged broken glass without sleeves on, uh, Rock and Roll's like, what? And then he, like, goes right out there. Plow! Takes out three dudes with, like, a jump kick and a smack uh, with this rifle just upside their heads. Yes. And uh, he said, "The proof, they say the proof's in the pudding, no? And I'd be making pudding out of these cobra faces. And I was like, oh, man. It's
1: like you have been learning from roadblock in the cartoon. I
2: know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> these guys um, ain't laughing at my joke. Must be stupid.
1: Like, so, no, it's so, just
2: a really bad joke. It's a really bad joke.
1: <laughs> so then back. we see the copter uh, that was able to get away, it lands at pumping station two where I
2: meets, there's a big sign that says
1: right pumping, pumping station <laughs> number two. And they meet up with some guys that claim to be uh, workers there at the pumping station. And they yeah. said, we need you. And they say, we need you to, to come inside. Then on the next page, we have Hawk uh, and a bunch of and rock and roll and all of them. They've captured the grunts that were outside and uh Uh, Pumping
2: Station 1
1: yeah Pumping Station 1 they uh at this time is when Rock and Roll says hey uh say if Snake Eyes gets back in time with the antidote and we don't drop dead of the plague how's about a little celebration (laughs) you, me, and your sister he says it's a gung-ho and he says I think I may, I think maybe I break your face. My sister's she be nine years old.
2: <laughs> and you're like, what? what? It just kind of leaves that hanging, really awkward moment. Right. Because for one thing, Roblox like, hey, let's have a party. You, me, and your sister. I'm like, that's a very <laughs> awkward party <laughs> to begin with. Like, why would you invite? Anyway. Why and, is Dung and,
1: Ho invited? Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. And then, he, and then you find out his sister's nine, and then it just cuts to a different scene. You're like, that was weird. Right. <laughs> So, then then love, we have, so the next scene, Wild Bill's in pumping station two, overseeing right. these guys do their maintenance. But look at the way that guy's standing, <laughs> <laughs> bent over at the waist, like dropping something in this huge uh, pipe.
0: Yeah.
2: And just the way he's standing, and the other two guys are standing next to him with their hands in their pockets, like and their shoulders up high. I'm just like, don't that's know what a, to do. <laughs> that's just a really weird scene.
1: They're kind of like with their shoulders up high because they're like, we don't know what Tom's doing. We just. <laughs> And exactly he's like, like, and Tom's going. I must churn the butter. He's
2: like, I'm, I'm probing. <laughs> I'm sending this probe somewhere.
1: <laughs> you put the lotion on the skin.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. So oh, I love that panel. I want to, I want to scan that in. And make so that my
1: avatar. I want to scan it. I'm going uh, to scan it. I'll
2: scan. Right right I'll run now. Run now. I'll scan it. Let's see in a second. All
1: right. So then we have. Uh, so the uh, Battle Bear crew uh, notices that at pumping station two, that there's the his tank treads are leading right into a shed there yeah. and they realize that the people there are not uh the workers that they must be covert agents so they radio into uh zap to let them know and uh
2: zap busts in and yep. then um and you know, I love Kobe this Rachel's scene. Like, ha, you're both dead men. And they show him, like, pulling out his revolver. Yep. All and three said, of the guys pull out the revolvers.
1: Says, We've already beaten you to the draw, and I love Wow, feels like, that'll be the day, and he just blasts.
2: And he, like, from his hip, he's like, and he just slams it down like a, you know, like a quick draw, you know, Old West. Yep. Bam, bam, bam. And then three dead Cobra soldiers.
1: Yep. <laughs> More death. <laughs> and then we have uh, Destro uh, shows up. And again, we don't see him. He's in the shadows.
2: See his hand sticking out from the shadows. Yeah.
1: Yep. And, uh, he actually grabs the, uh, he point, he says that the plague toxin was just a ruse to draw attention away from the nuclear plant. They were like, Oh, so it's, uh, you mean the plague toxin is, is a fake? And he's like, oh, it's it's quite real. And th- that's what threw me off. I was like, wait, if it's a ruse, isn't it not supposed to be real? <laughs> well,
2: I think the idea is that they would be chasing the antidote as opposed to knowing what yeah. plutonium was all about or anything like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: And the one thing I found interesting with this page, uh, which I've, when I did some research it said on, on page 21, which is this page, a speech bub- uh, bubble appears to be coming entirely from uh, Destro, but the first half of it should be really coming from one of the Joes present. So if you see where it says, "You mean the plague toxin yeah, is a fake?" That's right. It's both that should be coming it's from. It's connected the Joes. to
2: the word balloon that says, "Oh, the toxin is quite real," and that right. like is a the tail of that word balloon goes into another panel completely.
1: Yeah, so, so that's weird, just yeah. one of those little, much like cartoons when they have the wrong character talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Doctor busts in,
2: uh oh just, just ask keith just ask keith there are people who make mistakes in comics
1: right, right? as it yeah. turns out i don't know anyone like that just certainly before. not a co-host of mine
2: no it's weird it just, <laughs> just out of nowhere
1: <laughs> guns appear and disappear and
2: i think somebody came into my studio and erased that gun
1: right probably keith maybe uh, so anyways we have a. Uh, so Destro's, Doc busts in. Yeah, yeah Destro, said, Destro says, them.
2: I've got the only antidote, and he's about to blast him. Yep. And then Doc comes in, and he says, like, the Geneva Convention says, and he's like, okay, uh, I'll, if you guys will take some notes. The Geneva <laughs> Convention says, I can't fire a weapon, but it doesn't say anything about snowballs. And he, like, throws a snowball at Destro's <laughs> hand, which deflects the shot. And then he goes, oh, tackling. And then he just <laughs> wrestles Snowjob down to the ground. Well, and, um,
1: he wrestles uh, Destro down to the job.
2: Oh, who did I say? Snowjaw. Yeah. He says no job. <laughs> so, so he wrestles, uh, yeah, Destro down to the ground. Like, hold your fire. They're both in the shadows. We can't see them. And, um,
1: and then Doc's clear because he's throwing the hell out of the way.
2: I know he gets drop kicked back into the the light. So Destro's still in the shadow. And they go. They open fire. And um, Snake, Snake Eyes does some weird boogie dance into the room. <laughs> He's like it's supposed to be kicking in the door, but he looks like yeah. he just comes cotton eye Joe dancing in. That's
1: <laughs> right. And uh he noticed that there's a an explosive on the hiss tank that was in that shed. And Because he gets, there's
2: six sticks of dynamite tied to a timer on the back.
1: Right. Looks like a what? Rolex watch or something. Exactly. <laughs> and he goes diving out just in time. Yeah. Uh before that whole place just blows up. Yeah, blows. And Destro gets out and he uses his rocket launcher, wrists, his little rockets <laughs> on his wrist. And the but first.
2: It goes from a really cool moment to a really, like,
1: dumb moment. ridiculous
2: <laughs> moment, one panel to the next. Like, Destro, you're like, man, Destro is so cool. He's been holding his own. He's like, he's in charge of this whole, like, uh, complicated plan, and it's all going good. He's like, oh, I'll use my wrist rocket. We'll take care of the Battle Bear. And he shoots it. Wham! Battle Bear blows up. He goes, and he's about to shoot at the helicopter, and he goes, ding, ding, ding. And he's like, blast, a dud. And I'm like, what? You have two wrist rockets, two. And if they only have a 50% like effective rate, right. what are you doing with these rockets on your wrist? Like, what is the point? Right. Well, the point is, the Joes needed something to get they need <laughs> to a fly away on. Right. <laughs> so, like, unfortunately for the, uh, at the expense of the plot, Destro takes the knots down yeah you know what i mean it's like it's kind of unfortunate like too bad there wasn't a spare vehicle that was just uh assigned to pump station two or something like well, that what you know could, what i mean
1: what like what they could have done is they could have had that helicopter get blown up by destro and then the helicopter that had gone to take the wounded back arrives back in time to then pick them up like they I could know. have been yeah, like
2: it's just they could have been
1: like, oh, we don't have a copter. How are we ever going to follow them? And sure it enough, was that's the, when the
2: only thing. It was the only thing that made Destro not look like, a, you awesome. know, pull, pull off a Firefly. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like he would. It would have been. I would have been so much more intimidated by this character, but he just shoots a dud of a. He just has an impotent wrist rocket that yeah. does absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah. So they say we got quick. We got to get into the helicopter. Uh, we got to stop him. He's got the only antidote, and time's running out. Uh, and, he's, and then someone else responds saying, no, we have to stop the plutonium first. And uh, Doc points out that he actually was able to uh, grab the antidote while he was uh, wrestling Destro to the ground. Uh, so then we get to uh, station number three. It's the... the Grunts, oh, well, I like, I like how he said it
2: though. He goes, Besides, I managed to grab the antidote while I was beating that cobra bum mercilessly about the soles <laughs> of his boots with my face. I'm like, I love it. He's like, <laughs> Basically, that Destro just kicked the crap out of him. Right. He, he just words it like he was uh, pounding Destro's boots with his face. Exactly. That's how my grandpa told me he always got into fights with people that he would. He would uh,
1: pummel their fists with his yeah.
2: He pummel their fists with his face until they uh, got sick of it, and and he would chase them backwards around the school. (laughs) Nice. I was like, wait, what? That that means they punched you in the face and you ran away. Right. Like, no, no, no. You you don't hear what he said.
1: So there's there's a (laughs) there's a helicopter showing up, and they uh, the Cobra grunts notice it's a Joe helicopter, but they decide not to shoot it down because it might be the specialist uh, having stolen the helicopter. Because that's a good theory.
2: <laughs> so he's like yeah, besides we outgun them. Hmm. Right. You know, it's just like the way he put it. it was funny.
1: And so Doc comes out and he points out that they're all contaminated, but he actually has the antidote there, uh, yeah. and that they'll take the uh, they'll do a trade, the plutonium for the antidote. And, uh, and
2: what I re- what I realized from this is that Doc's got balls. Oh yeah. Like he just lands his helicopter, walks out. There's like guns just completely pointed at him. And they don't it's know like,
1: what's in that canister.
2: No, not at all. He's like, look. This is how it is, and he just tells them, basically, you're gonna die unless you do this trade with me, and they just believe him. They do it.
1: Yep. So then uh, we cut to all the Joes getting vaccinated with the antidote. Rock and Roll confronts Snow Job, and he says he he tells him he's lying. Uh, he's like talking about lying. I got a bone to pick with this skunk on skis over here.
2: <laughs> Talk talking about Snow Job, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, Snow Job points out exactly. Uh, or Doc actually points out like what the whole date was as far as he was supposed to take Gung-Ho's sister out for ice cream.
2: Well, Rock and, rock and Roll says, he goes, uh, you never mentioned that Gung-Ho's sister is nine years old. And Snow Job's like, you didn't ask. Right. Like, like they're jabbing each other.
1: So then Doc points out this whole thing about how, how it was all <laughs> planned out. Uh, as far as snow Job taking Gung Ho's uh, sister and how she was actually a child model and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they were just supposed to go get some ice cream, uh, so uh, ice cream and sodas and stuff like that. And, Snow job goes well. That's why they call me Snow job, and everyone's he's
2: got like the AOK sign.
1: Yeah, and everyone's smiling and laughing, just like the end of the cartoons.
2: Yeah, just like a really bad joke right at the end. What I love so, is that Scarlett just shows up in this episode to laugh at Rock and Roll. Yes, or this episode, this issue, like she's just there, that crowd of everybody laughing at him. He's like, and he's all frustrated. That's
1: a nice little touch there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so one thing to point out also with this uh, issue, two things to point out actually Uh, one is the story was reprinted in G.I. Joe Digest uh, Tales of G.I. Joe number 11 and uh, G.I. Joe uh, volume 2 so the the, uh, IDW Marvel collection
2: yeah that's how I read mine
1: it was also reprinted in G.I. Joe the Best of Destro trade paperback
2: oh okay cool that makes sense
1: it was also reprinted in what I read it from which was the complete collection, the G.I. Joe hardcover, the complete collection. Cool. So, uh, absolutely beautiful book. Um, and then this, this issue of the comic was supported by an animated television commercial. Um, so oh, okay. some of the earliest uh, Real American Hero animation that was ever produced. So even before the cartoon came out, these commercials cool. came out. And um, it was only the second issue to be advertised this way. And GI Joe number one was the first one to be advertised. GI Joe number eleven was the second one to be advertised. And that's cool. So yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome. So, and that's it. Uh, Awesome issue. I I love the art in it. I love the story in it. It was self-contained. You got introduced to a ton more Joes. uh, Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting one or two would trickle in here and there. And there was just this whole issue was nothing but new Joes. So. I thought that was pretty awesome. And it also explained why the old Joes were out of the battles, because they all got injured. So, you know, your your typical, you know, short fuse and Steeler and all that that were in the earlier issues, they don't they are not front and center in this issue because they got injured. So mm-hmm. so very cool. What were your thoughts overall?
2: Um, no, I absolutely loved it. It was like this cool self-contained story, like you said. It just reminded me of Again, it's just like the kind of book I would want to be reading right now, just a nice self-contained special missions type. Here's a group; they go and solve a problem. Um, but it was like it was still a relatively complicated plot. You know, they took you from yeah. point A to B to C, and and there's all these kind of uh, you know, just like he said, the ruse of the the antidote and the poison versus you know the whole plan that they were trying to do with the uh, the plutonium and the bomb. And yeah. um, there's, I mean, just cool action, but just all throughout, it was. Um, Uh, it was cool to see uh, the chain of command work. It was cool to see how some of these characters interact with each other. And it wasn't always like all best friends, you know, high fiving each other the whole time. Like it was cool to see them get to know each other and, yeah. and play tricks on them and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And just so you guys know, in the future, I'm going to try to save the G.I. Joe issues for when Robert can join me for them. Uh, anytime we get together to record, we can probably cover another issue of this. Yeah. Um, they're pretty easy to do. Um, he'll also join me for some of the other stuff like uh, – when I do, I think you had mentioned like the Marvel, Star Wars, and things like that. So, yeah. um, there'll be ones here and there that Robert will join me for. There'll be ones here and there that Chuck will join me for. Um, and then just like the Sectars one, there'll be ones I do on my own. And the idea is to get these ish, these episodes out two to three times a month, along with the regular Star Joe's episodes coming out two to three times a month. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's really finally all the types of episodes that we do are finally. Fulfilling what I always dreamed this podcast to be, which is, you know, we're covering Star Wars EU, we're covering the animated stuff, we're covering the old comics, we're covering the new comics, we're covering other comics. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just. Everything is being covered now. Toys are being covered, things like that. So finally the, the podcast is kind of what I had always hoped it would be when we first started it, you know, a little over four years ago. So, cool. um, so this should be a lot of fun to get caught up on some of these old classic stories. I think the next issue I'm going to do on my own will probably be just for you guys out there to listen to. Um, will probably be wild, uh, wild storms, thundercats uh i really loved their version of thundercats the first couple mini series that they did so i will probably tackle the first issue i think is issue number zero
2: uh you have to let me know when you do that because i actually just got when i was in c2e2 a guy wants me to do a sketch of a lino and he had every issue of thundercats bound like library bound and so i have his book oh nice well, you realize I'm going to take as long to get this sketch done as it takes me to read through this book. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, yes. So anyway, I, have, I actually have them all collected. So. Nice.
1: Yeah, so we might tackle that one together too. Yeah, so we'll cool. see. We'll see what happens. Okay. So let me go and give our information out. You can find us at Podcast or StarJoes.com. You can email us at StarJoesPodcasts at gmail.com. You can find us at the Forum for forumforgeeks.com. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Star Joe's, and you will you can like us on Facebook. Uh, and you can call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-5637. Please call us and leave a voicemail, and please leave us an iTunes review. Robert, how can they find you?
2: Uh, just Google search Robert Atkins Art. That's it.
1: Okay, cool. All right, well, with that, we'll go ahead and close by saying the Force will be with you.
2: Because knowing us is half the battle.
1: Take care, everyone.
0: It's unacceptable. Look, G.I. Joe is beating us in the snow. G.I. Joe is fighting cold for the enemy. on land, the sea and air. G.I. Joe, Joe. is beating us in the air. G.I. Joe is chasing cobra in a desperate race. Soaring and diving in a great sky chase. G.I. Joe is What's in store for G.I. Joe? Find out in Marvel Comics.